dynamic diversity Bringing us together like we're supposed to be Dynamic magazine We're all different but we can learn from each other Dynamic Diversity Unfiltered, Dynamic Leaders for a Changing World Magazine's premier podcast. We bring you the voices of today's renowned societal leaders and average folks talking about what they do, how they got there, and what they're thinking about in the controversial world of diversity, inclusion, and race relations. In this episode, Um, there's so few people of color, not like a Los Angeles or San Francisco or New York or Chicago. Uh, very few numbers um, of, of diversity here. And I think that's when I really started pushing the diversity envelope even more so when I moved here and found a real passion for it because it was really missing. We talk with Dina Tiro, who was leading technology, hope, education, and direction for America's youth. Dina Pirro grew up in San Bernardino, California, the youngest of four children. Ever curious about how things work, she was the risk taker in the family. When she was 12 years old, she learned to drive by sneaking out in the middle of the night, driving her mom's car in the driveway. I was the female version of Dennis the Menace, Dina shared with Dynamic. She didn't realize then that her boldness was indicative of an entrepreneurial spirit, which served her well later in life when she launched the most innovative support and training technology program for youth in the country. Uh, where did you grow up, and what was your childhood like? I grew up in, well, I was born in, I, when when I was uh, small, we lived in Compton, California. And then when I was about five or so, my parents moved out to Rialto, California, out there mm-hmm. in the desert area, and uh, grew up there. Uh, and I was always, I was the youngest of four uh, siblings. I was the youngest, and you know, the youngest one is usually the rogue or the risk taker and all that, and I definitely was. I was curious about a lot of things. I was always curious about how things worked, um, curious about people, learning people's stories, you know, and all. I taught myself how to drive when I was around 11 or 12, simply because my siblings were driving and I didn't want to be left out. So in the middle of the night, I would just sneak my mom's car keys and drive, practice driving up and down the driveway. And then I got oh. bold and started driving around the corner. And Oh, I tell you, I was like Dennis the Menace. I was a female version of Dennis the Menace. Um, <laughs> I really was. I didn't realize then that that was that entrepreneurial spirit in me, right? Um, and so that's why I continue to tell people to look for mentors because if someone would have seen that entrepreneur thing in me when I was much younger, I probably would have um, broke out on my own with my own businesses and startups and all that much younger. Um, But anyway, one of the things about me that kind of stayed with me and it kind of set my trajectory was I was always the kid in the playground that wanted to make sure everybody was included, you know, that everyone was playing, nobody was left out. And so the work that I do in my adult life always centered around, around inclusion. 
So with Mosaic Blueprint, diversity consulting, brandy, branding, you know, recruiting and, and all of that stuff. With iUrban Teen, which is my, my, my passion, it's about trying to create equitable pathways for youth of color into career fields. You know, it doesn't always have to be technology or STEM, but basically helping to, helping to build that yellow brick road for them, you know. So yeah. I think I've always been a social entrepreneur, always doing something where you're trying to either make people feel included, you know, or you're trying to help with making things easier, you know, for yeah. others. So um, anyway, we grew up there in Rialto, and then when I was a teenager, my parents moved back to Los Angeles. Um, we stayed there for a number of years, and then we moved up to Oregon, um, where my father had bought a home um, up there, and uh, we stayed there for a number of years. And I ended up moving. We ended up moving back to California. Um, I then got a little older, met my husband, then husband, and then we moved back to Oregon back in the early 90s, and that's where I stayed. You know, I stayed up here in the Pacific Northwest for over 27 years now, first in Oregon, and now I just moved to Seattle in um, in August of, of last year. Some of the things that I always kept saying that I wanted to do was move back to California because the Pacific Northwest is can be challenging because um, there's so few people of color. It's not like a Los Angeles or a San Francisco or a New York or Chicago. Uh, very few numbers um, of, of diversity here. And I think that's when I really started pushing the diversity envelope even more so when I moved here and found a real passion for it because it was really missing. Um, and so anyway, long story short, that kind of sums up me a little bit, but I want to also share the reasons why I even created a program like iUrban Teen. I was a commissioner here on the Commission on African American Affairs in the state of Washington and appointed by Governor Gregoire back in the mid-2000s, around 2007 or so, or eight. And at the time, all of our ethnic commissions were looking at the opportunity gap issue, especially for male youth of color who were falling through the cracks, being marginalized, being incarcerated, et cetera, and not succeeding. And so they started all these studies. In fact, they're still talking about it. I am more action-driven. So if I see a problem, that's when entrepreneurs always look to solve a solution. So... I automatically start thinking about what can I do to put a dent in this? Well, around the same time, I was invited to participate on a chief information officer council in Portland, and I did. And as soon as I walked into the room, I saw that it was a room full of white men, no diversity whatsoever. Yet and still, we knew that this was the place where the jobs and the opportunities were in STEM, no diversity. But yet we have these male youth of color falling through the cracks and being marginalized. So during that lunch session, that's when I started thinking up or conceptualizing iUrban Teen, which is to expose these youth to this world. Um, about six months after that initial meeting, I had my very first event for iUrban Teen, that STEM Summit at Washington State University, and the rest is history. Now, the you program, we have programs. What for, for iUrban Teen? Our STEM summit, we have a, we call them our STEM, STEM full day summit. STEM oh, okay. summit. Mm-hmm. That, that is and one of my questions, a little farther down the page here. <laughs> yeah. And but so could we, we back up? There. 
Could we back up a little bit, and could I ask you where you went to college and what was your major and how did that influence your career decisions? I actually went to a medical, I went to a vocational school, Technical Health Careers in California, that is no longer there. It was part of the CETA. I don't know if you, a long time ago, they had a program called CETA, the government, that would help um, folks get secondary education, be it, be it college or vocational schools. I went there and learned the medical trade. I went there for about two years, but I realized that wasn't for me. Okay. You know, and that what was your intro- What was your introduction to the business world? Where did you start? I started actually in the business world working for a clothes designer in downtown Los Angeles um, and uh, started learning the whole thing about inventory, sales, profit, um, marketing, all of that through that company. It was called Judy Knapp. I don't even know if they're still in existence anymore, but uh, they had a their offices and warehouse there in downtown in the Clark Garment District. And they also had a warehouse or showroom in the, oh, they call it the California Mart, I think is what it was called at the time. That was a um, an, a building that showcased the latest fashions and, and, and fashion designers and buyers from different companies across the globe would go there and buy their, their products. So I worked with them for a while. Then I ended up going to Exxon in Century City, all this in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And then I worked for Mattel Toys. Um, again, I think then that role, I was more of like a sales assistant. And then we moved to Oregon, my then husband and I, and I started working for the city of Portland, so public sector. So I worked there for about 16 years and then started my own business in 2007, Mosaic Blueprint. And then I launched Iurban Teen in 2011. And what led you to the world of technology? Um, that CIO roundtable, because Chief Information Officer roundtable, even though I was not a techie or even a Chief Information Officer, my friend who had that forum, he said, and I told him, I'm not a Chief Information Officer. He said, no, but you're innovative, and we need you. You know, um, you're you're innovative, and we need you. And I'm like, well, Okay. And so I participated. In fact, I, I participated with them for about five or six years, you know, before um, before I, I got off the council. So I brought a lot of diversity topics to their their conferences that they had, you know, every year. So I'd have women in, in technology, you know, diversity in ta- technology, creating diverse talent pipelines in technology. I led and created a lot of those workshops for their for their conferences every year. But that was my foot in the door into technology. Ah. Just okay. seeing a need, seeing that that was an area of, of substantial growth and opportunities and uh, and stuff. So I wanted to make sure that we shared that with these youth, and we have. We've had so far over 5,000 youth come through our program. We have about a 70% retention rate. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. So, uh, yeah, my next question was, can you explain what the STEM plus arts program is all about? Well, it's science, technology, engineering, and math, but instead of math, we say manufacturing. And the arts would be more of the creative arts and, and how that can be interwoven into a certain type of STEM focus. So uh-huh. we give these kids the full 
we give these kids the full array of the different um, career opportunities in healthcare, because all of these are STEM careers in healthcare, in transportation, energy, technology, manufacturing, and even the arts. You know, it could be stage production, you know, uh, how you have to measure to, to create a stage, those kind of things. We have a speaking program called iSpeak, which is nothing really to do with technology, but it's more of the soft skills, you know, with the art of public speaking and the art of using your voice for conflict resolutions and things. So, and we're growing every day. The creative arts, um, animation, um, animation is under the arts. Uh, we have the digital marketing, digital storytelling, and those kind of things under the arts. So we give them a very broad spectrum of exposures. So that's oh, what STEM is, like science, it. technology, engineering, and, and math, and plus the arts. Some people call it STEAM, you know, just STEAM. That's, they have the arts interwoven in, but I just call it STEM plus arts. Right. Oh, you mean they put the A before the M and call right. it STEAM? I got uh-huh, you. call it STEAM. Mm-hmm. Well, my next question is, can you tell us more about your iUrban Teen program? You entered into that earlier in the interview, but can you explain mm-hmm. to us exactly what it does? Well, we do, we first start off with our flagship program, which is our, our event, and that's our full-day STEM summit that we have in partnership with a college or university. We do that to try to create an interest in in the different STEM sectors. Mm -hmm. After that summit, then we have our ongoing programming, like our coding camps, um, where we have those are anywhere from eight to ten weeks each. So we have our ongoing programming that we do. Um, We have our I Speak program, our I Write program that gives them first goes through creative writing and then technical writing. Um, We have our STEM industry days where we take a certain certain amount of youth to a company like Google or Amazon or Microsoft so they can learn firsthand how that industry uses technology. They can learn about different career opportunities within that industry and network with some of the professionals and have a hands-on activity. So that's what we do pretty much in a nutshell. I started the program in the Portland area, but then we started getting so many parents from different cities wanting to either bring our program there or they were driving all the way to Portland to have their kids involved. So we started in Portland, then we rolled the programs out in Seattle. Now we're also in the Bay Area, like the Oakland area. We're also in Los Angeles, and we just launched in Houston, Texas, uh, two weeks ago. And now the other cities that we're looking to hold our events are in uh, our programs are Atlanta, Denver, and Philadelphia. Wow, that gives you kind of nationwide coverage. Yeah, we will be. We will be a a national program probably within the next three years. We'll be in most major cities across the U.S. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, and the big honor you, for me was being honored by President Obama's White House in 2013 as a White House champion of change for technology inclusion. That was a big honor for me. That I was going to ask you about that. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about that acknowledgement, how it came about? 
Well, that came about because some of the folks on our council, some of those uh, chief information officers that were involved early on, and our parents wrote in and nominated me, you know, for IURBAN, for the award. And I got an email with the White House logo on it. And at first I was like, what? Is this a prank? <laughs> and yeah. I realized it was real, you know. Wow. Um, and so, you know, just standing in front of the White House, knowing I was going to be honored in there, it was uh, surreal, you know, knowing that the work that I do, that I have such a passion for, was being honored at this level. So that was in August of 2013, and after that, I was also nominated and selected as a Ebony Magazine Power 100 list recipient. Um, and uh, we also were a Rockefeller Innovation Award nominee. We lost to a, a South African youth program, but um, oh god, there's been so many honors after it that it's crazy. But I've I was fortunate enough to be asked to return to the White House. I went a total of four times. And the last wow. one being in December, President Obama's last month in office as a reunion of all the White House champions of change. So that was quite the honor. I'll bet. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I know. So you were nominated by the parents of the kids because you made such a difference in their lives. Yes. Mhm. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That is truly yeah, amazing. It's qu- quite the honor. We have a very strong parent engagement model, you know, with the program, so I feel really fortunate. Yeah. Well, you earned it. <laughs> I did, because it's a lot of hard work. A lot of hard yeah. work. Well, can you share with us your points of view about diversity and inclusion and the impact that it its effects have had on our youth? Well, I feel that, um, first off, I feel that it's a lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes to a lot of these tech companies that are saying that they're doing this diversity work and they're they're trying to reach out and they're they're looking for this and they can't find them when we are right here. You know, a lot of organizations know about us, but we still don't gain the support that we do. So it's a lot of smoke and mirrors um, and not... Uh, not practicing walking their talk, put it that way. That's how a lot of us view it. The other thing that I do around talking about the kids, a lot of people or organizations will want to call our kids at risk or marginalized and all that, put these different labels on them. I never call our kids at risk. You know, I don't put those kind of labels on our kids because there's enough media already out there that's labeling them. So the only thing I will label them as is brilliant. Um, I feel that there's a lot of allies, good you know, allies out there that support this work and that support youth trying to create a, a level playing field for our youth of color, you know, to get equal access, but we still have a long way to go, you know, in this in this fight. Um mm-hmm. and so yeah, that's I think that's another reason why I could just keep pushing, keep pushing you know, making small small impacts at a time. Like now, out of our Portland group, we have um, we were able to give away two scholarships, you know, twenty five hundred dollars scholarships for two of our students. And we also now are partnering with Cigna to are giving uh, some paid summer internships for our kids. So we're making these these small. We're we're building that yellow yellow brick road slowly. But surely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
What is your vision of the future and your goals with respect to preparing our youth for the world of high technology? Uh, my vision is, one, becoming uh, even getting more broader, being in every major city, um, and having a true pathway where we have, we're able to continue and even make even larger contributions to our scholarship fund for kids who have been through our programming. And um, our scholarship fund have more paid summer internships, have more mentoring and networking with these kids so that when they graduate high college or vocational school, wherever, wherever they are going to go to get that expert knowledge base, that they will be able to land and thrive in an organization that is pretty much already partnered with us and that believes in, in the mission of iUrban Team. That's my long-term long goal for the program. Wonderful. Well, it certainly sounds like you're making inroads and you know, you're going faster than one might expect. I know. We really are because I'm kind of I'm like kind of driven. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like super driven and um and I'm the kind that says, "Well, you know, why not? Why not just do it?" Um and make it happen. It's a it's a lot of work, but I call it heart work. You know, mm-hmm. and I couldn't I couldn't do it without the help of our dedic. We have some really strong, dedicated volunteers, and the parents. Their parents really make a difference in this. Nice. Well, in closing, do you have anything else you'd like to add? I would like to add that if any, you know, like we have um, 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 our website, iurbanteen.org. And I would like to tell anyone, if anything that I said inspires them, you know, go to our website and click on our donation page. We're we're so grassroots. We're not funded the way we should be. So we we really rely on on individual donations and companies to help sponsor events. So I would say that go to our website and uh, and 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 help support us. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I'm extremely impressed by your programs and what you've managed to accomplish. Oh, thank um, you. Oh, you're certainly welcome. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can talk about making a difference, you can take action to make a difference, or you can join Dynamic and do them both. Until next time, stay blessed and be inspired. Dynamic Diversity Bringing us together like we're supposed to be